0: Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clearpath Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community. We love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, we're a community trying to be led by the Spirit, just walking through Scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned and thanks for joining. Share Jesus with people. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be brief. Um, I want everybody to stand with me for a moment. I'm gonna put something in mind. You can sit. We'll be able to sit right back down. But I want you to hear the word attention. Everybody, say attention. Okay. You can sit down. That's it. I. I think that God is oftentimes trying to get our attention. (laughs) I want to share with you a couple things that happened to me recently, and I'm going to take us to the the table. Um, I was at a conference a couple weeks ago. Actually, interestingly enough, not a couple weeks ago, it was last week, Two day, like a day before when we were to go to Mexico, I was at a conference. And it was a conference with a bunch of really successful business people, like really successful business people. Um, some of the most influential people in the country and, and a lot of people doing nonprofit work that were, that were very impactful nonprofits. And so I would every time I go to these conference, we, you know, we go because our family supports some like-minded nonprofits to this group of people. Um, But every time I go, I feel this sense of, like, am I doing anything with my life? Because I hear a story about a guy who immigrated here and then built a company that's worth $10 billion and, like, solves all sorts of problems. And, you know, I, I hear of these people doing incredible things. And so the day I was at this conference, the Lord got my attention. He said, I carry this journal around, and I spend most of my time journaling in Scripture in a little tablet that I have, I carry this journal around when my tablet doesn't work or it's dead, and so this is backup journal. And um, I, uh, if you don't journal, I want to encourage you find a way to document what God says to you, what He speaks to you, and what you're reading, because it will change your life. The Lord told me years ago, He said, "You will your stewardship of My voice is in your pen," and. That may not be for you, but what I can tell you is that documenting what God talks to me about helps me. And so I wrote, I, I, the Lord says, I want you to open your backup journal. And I turn to April 27th, and I'm starting the conference, and here's the things I wrote down. In Proverbs 8, it gives a warning of setting your heart on the riches of this world. I was like, okay, God, I got it. And I wrote a lot about that. And then I came to this psalm, which I want to briefly mention to you. And kids, I have a word for you that I want you to remember. If you can remember it and tell it to me, we'll find some sort of prize for you. But this is Psalm 17, 13 through 15. This is David speaking against his enemies. He says, Arise, O Lord, confront my enemy, bring him low. Deliver my soul from the wicked from your sword. From men with your hand, O oh Lord. Listen to this line: From the men of the world, whose portion is in this life. Everybody say portion. portion. That's the word, kids. I'm just, just gotta remember it. Whose portion is in this life, and whose belly you fill with your treasure? They are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their babes. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied with your lightness when I awake. I think one of the biggest things that we have a problem with, one of the biggest things that confuses me in life is when I set my portion to be something in this life. And David speaks about these men who are wicked men and there are men whose portion is in this life. Their satisfaction, their joy, their focus becomes something, tied exclusively to this life how many of you ever have gotten worried or fearful over the things of this life like when we become consumed by them um they really affect us and so for me the testimonies that i saw was i came um trace i hope you don't mind me mentioning you but i uh, a couple months ago my friend trace i called him uh, to come with us on a mission trip his daughter and our Daughter goes, goes to the same school. And I said, I, it would be cool if we went on a mission trip together. Trace does a lot of carpentry work. And I knew that they needed some help. And Trace had shared with me six months ago, said my dad had been able to give a lot financially to people. And he said, he said and I have an ability to give some. But he said, more what I would feel called to do is give with my talent, my talent to be able to to do things to help ministries, and I remembered that in, in my in my mind, and I just I called him. I was like, "Hey, would you go on this mission trip with us?" And so we we get there. I don't even know what they're gonna you know work on. They have some project. We get there, and there's these two European women who stay at the refugee center. No air conditioning, um, you know, no real doors, and they are washing their bowls out of out of the showers they don't have any sink and so they're washing their all of their utensils and the things they eat with in showers but one of the things the lord showed us all this week was how full of joy they were how absolutely like just overcome with joy like daily showing up to love on kids be and full of joy and so so trace gets there and he installs the cabinets, and we realize, or he installs the kitchen sinks and the cabinets, and we realize that they, you know, the re- not having them, they're washing stuff out of the showers. And it blew my mind how when we get focused on what is God's eternal portion for us, the things we are lacking just don't even matter. And it, it, also, it also blew my mind that, like, I, like, a few months before, I'm sitting at a camp out with Trace, and he's like, what I, what I feel called to do is to come and just bless people with my skill. And I'm sitting here watching a man operate in the portion that God is giving him, and it's addressing the portion that somebody else is living in. And I think that what we often do is we get so focused on lack and what we're missing that we miss that God has this wonderful eternal portion that he's already deposited in us. And when David looks upon the men whose portion is something fixated on this life, he said, that's not for me. I want to wake up and to come into your likeness, God. And the likeness of Jesus is to be filled with joy in the presence of whatever we go through. Amen? Amen? And so I I feel like that the Lord wants to remind us of his portion. I'm going to take this for a quick turn. This is going to be two minutes. This is a hard left turn, but it's something that I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to bring up that robs us from living in the portion that God has for us. Okay, Hebrews 12, if you want to go there, 14 through 17. Here's what the writer of Hebrews who is unknown to us says. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. Listen to this, that no root of bitterness springing up causing trouble and by it many become defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it in many tears. Okay. I have I don't have an ability to address all the things here, but Hebrews here is speaking about a few things that violate our ability to walk in the birthright for the portion that God has. He speaks of sexual impurity. He speaks of a godless perspective. But the third thing he talks about that I feel like I'm specifically supposed to address, not gonna preach a message on it, is that he talks about roots of bitterness. In my experience, I have seen that when we allow roots of bitterness and judgment of others to enter our heart, it is one of the number one things that will keep us from having our eyes set on the portion that God has for us. Yeah, right. I woke up, and I was not planning on talking about this, and the Lord highlighted this to me, and in that moment I was thinking, I can tell the church this is something I do really good at. Like, I I don't really let I don't really hold grudges. I don't, you know, over years of pastoring, you just realize that people get frustrated about everything. And that's no, it's just normal. People get frustrated at their spouses, they get frustrated with their friends, they get frustrated at things. And people also are filled with joy. So I'm just like I've just recognized that. And, and I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna say this is something, but as soon as I opened the scripture, the Lord opened my eyes to a bitterness that I held in my heart. And I feel like that this is a word this morning for some of you that God is, God is asking for, for some of us to let go of roots of bitterness. And some of you, you have judgments that you have on people. And it's like the way that you're perceiving it is actually that you're in the right. That you're in the right to have these judgments on people. But but the really, it's really bitterness. This is why Jesus says, don't address the speck of dust in your neighbor's eye when you've got a log in your own eye. The... the, the Great probability, if you're seeing a speck of dust in somebody else's eye, is that there's a log in your own eye. And I I feel very, very strongly that this is a time where God is wanting to activate people into his calling, that we can walk in his portion and have our eyes fixed on it. But I feel that one thing that will prohibit us uh, from entering into the birthright is that, is that we allow roots of bitterness to eat, to eat us up. I feel like God wants to deliver some people this morning from roots of bitterness. One thing I've noticed uh, pasturing people is the thing that we usually get offended by is the thing that we're blind to in ourselves. When we're offended at people it's it's, also, it's it's usually representative of something that's going on in us. Um, so I don't know. I'm not gonna keep preaching on it. I feel like the Holy Spirit is going to highlight two, two people in this room where roots of bitterness have have come in. And so I want to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to ask this question, Lord, if I let root have I let bitterness enter my heart. And I, I actually want to encourage you with something specific. I feel like the Lord tells me not to let your mind script around what you think a person has done. But just ask him the simple question, have I let bitterness enter my heart? I really believe that this is, this is a battle over the call of God in your life. And if that resonates with you, just keep being reflective. I want you, just as you as it becomes apparent to you that there's somebody that you carry bitterness for, I want you just to stand. I really believe the Lord wants to do deliverance this morning in people's hearts. If you're standing, I want you to open your hands and I just want you to pray, Holy Spirit, God. Holy Spirit, come. You're going to have to let go of the right of, of judgment right now. The key with letting go bitterness is that you have to let go of the right to judge. I felt like this was going to be true for some kids. I felt like the Lord told me this was going to be true for some kids this morning. There are kid there are kids here that there's there's anger there and the Lord the Lord wants to heal you from the anger. And so I just I want to invite you, if you're standing, just to just to pray for a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit to come. And Lord, right now, I pray that you would release your forgiveness, God. I want to know for every one of you standing, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you for holding unforgiveness with another person. Let's just pray this together and say, Jesus, help me forgive. Jesus help me forgive we can all pray it Jesus help me forgive let's just all pray that out loud Jesus help me forgive help me have mercy help me have grace as you have forgiven me I bless every person with your peace who's standing. I thank you for their bravery. I pray that they would go and do exactly what the writer of Hebrews says and pursue peace with every person. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you if you did stand, you don't have to keep standing. If the Lord highlighted to your bitterness, I want to encourage you to go to that person and Here's what I want to encourage you, because I've watched people do this, even in like reconciliation, where they come to make amends, and basically 99% of the time they just tell that person how bad they are, and how they just basically just reaffirm their judgments. And I feel like the Lord wants to, to invite you in the humble path of saying, forgive me for being unforgiving to you. This is about you letting go of your unforgiveness, not about telling them what they needed to do different. There's a time for that. There, there's a time for that, but I feel very strongly that the Lord wants to release the unforgiveness in us more than He wants us to confront the other person. Is that fair? I mean, I've done this exact thing, I'm just telling you. I'm like, let me tell you all the reasons why I should. I am so valid to be hurt by you. <laughs> and then, I forgive you. And that person doesn't walk away from that meeting for being feeling very peace-pursued, right? I, I wanna encourage you to pe- pursue peace. Um, Dan, Dan Moeller had a criteria that I love for confrontation. He said, I never confront somebody until I'm doing it for the purpose of loving them. When I do it for the purpose of feeling good, that's just venting on the person. There are some people who can handle your venting, but not every person can handle your venting. I've watched people's venting just mess people's lives up. There are some people that are mature and can handle that. but I feel like that the Lord, that what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to invite people into his calling, but he wants us to go and release forgiveness, not confrontation. All right. No quick, easy way to transfer out of that. Uh, I'm going to invite us to the table to grab the elements and we're going to come back to our seats and receive. I love uh, that we get to, to break this bread and drink this cup jesus goes to the cross and his his words his final words or some of his final words on earth where father forgive them for they know not what they do and i'm reminded of that this morning talking about bitterness and i'm i just pray that god would give us a glimpse of just how forgiving he is towards us and how gracious he is and and so let's just lift these elements as we pray Jesus we thank you that you your body has been broken your blood has been spilled out. I pray that you would just you would help us to receive the incredible forgiveness of our savior who covers every one of us. Not one of us is without sin, not one of us without fault. And I pray that in light of that that we would have an, that we would have a supernatural ability to walk in the forgiveness towards others, that we might walk in the calling you have. And God, I thank you that you work in us in all of our imperfection in our stumbling. Um, and may we fix our eyes on you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may receive. We had a, a group of us, as Zane shared, go on a, on a mission trip this week. And we're going to have a group come up and share some testimonies in just in a moment. Um, I, I told people that you know i've i helped uh when i was younger i helped a mentor lead missions trips to different parts of the world and uh did a little bit for the for the college that i ultimately ended up failing and dropping out of um but i uh, they, don't worry I graduated. They, tra- they, they trusted me to lead mission trips though but i uh what i've what i uh there are a lot of mission trips where you sit around and paint walls and uh not that there's anything wrong some walls need to get painted but we did not do that this week we were going from sun up to sundown and it was a good it was it was a good thing Um, i want to give you a couple of updates that are important for the church how many of you have heard me talk about the the building possibility the last number of weeks Um, i'm not going to share a lot about it this morning Um, i am going to share about that and some of the financial matters next week but we, um, much prayer, much deliberation, and much process. We will be, we will be purchasing the building that's in East Dallas this week and closing on Tuesday. And uh, and uh, we're very excited about that. We believe it's a part of a new chapter for this, for this, uh, for this church, and for me particularly, having you know my. Family having previously owned this building, it's kind of like it's kind of like if you had sold a house, but you still hung out in like one of the spare bedrooms. Um, that's kind of how I feel here, and uh, and I, I'm I'm grateful um, because God is faithful and He leads us. And um, when we were watching, we were at the refugee center this week. Um, I had gotten to know the, some of the stories from the missionaries down there that many, many of the Haitian migrants who fled Haiti during a time of, of turmoil, upheaval, and violence um, would have had to make the passage to the border of Mexico on foot, and it would have been extremely treacherous, extremely dangerous. And for them to arrive in that place, um, a place um, not by any means luxurious, let me just be clear, but a place of safety and peace, and to sing with those kids, you know um, that God is a waymaker. Forever changed the view of that song for me. And uh, if you can tell my voice, my voice is hoarse because I lost it this week, but um, so grateful for, for how God makes a way all over the world. He's weaving ways together for people. And so I want to have the have the oh one more one more thing I want to tell you is how many of you give me a holler if you've been in a shepherding group.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so we have small groups, three or four people, five people occasionally, who are meeting together, going deep in the Word. And the way we we've done this, we had a couple of groups that sustained last summer. We we try to start them to last for seven weeks, and we ask the group to discern in that time if they if they would like to commit to continuing to meet um, in an indefinite capacity. And sometimes they don't and that's fine because not every group is the match made in heaven and we want to give the flexibility for that but what we want to encourage you to do is take this next week if you're part of a shipping group and talk think about it yourself and we'll send them a text related to this encourage you to be taking this time to discern if god's called you to commit to running with this group of people for a period of time and so amen um I'm gonna have all the people that came on the mission trip to come up. Uh, let's give these guys a hand, <clears throat> including kids. You come stand up with us. We'll like stand here in the back row. We can. Do you want to? You want us, We can. That way we can. Go someone's Someone can sit. Yeah. Let's let's line up here in the back. We want to share with you some testimonies. There really, were an in- incredible number of testimonies this week. Um, but I don't know who, who would like to jump in and go first. Anybody? All right, come on, Russell.
2: <clears throat> um, I think the thing that stuck out to me most was how the missionaries never stopped. So to be clear, I feel I felt like we were there more serving the missionaries than we were like serving the migrants or even the locals but we did a little bit of that as well <clears throat> but uh, we were really kind of shoulder to shoulder with the the missionaries and um, it, they just never stopped there was something every day we were there you know I think the first day we were there we had a chance to rest but then after that it was just constant you know they had something they had a, um, a service Uh, at the church, uh, in the evening, and and, um, probably just about every night. Um, And it reminded me of a sermon that Jordan had preached on, and it's uh, John 4, verse 34, and it says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And it made, me, it made me think of a saying that we have that we use a lot, especially in the church, is if I feel led, right? There was a pastor that used to always preach, like, go to the fishing shop, get a bunch of weights, put it in your pocket. If you need to feel led, just put your hand in your pocket, feel led, and then do it. Right. But it's a saying that we have is like, if I feel led, then I'll do this. And God, if you lead me, then I'll do this. And Jesus is saying, look up. The harvest is ripe right now. And when we were there, there was so much getting done. There were so many stories of people's lives getting touched and changed. And I felt like whenever we stepped out of our bubble that we live in, in this very luxurious life, and you don't realize it until you're not there. And you're seeing people who, um, there's a saying that says the light shines the brightest in the darkness. And I felt like when we go to places that there's not a lot of joy, there's not a lot of hope, and there's a lot of struggle and a lot of striving, um, that's where God is shining the brightest. So anyways, that's what I took away.
0: Was going to share too.
3: Oh man. I'm trying to figure out what, what all to share. Um, is anyone going to share about Martinez specifically? Because if not, if so, I can <laughs> share go about go him. I just wanted to talk about him. So I'm going to share a couple of things, but it was a pretty amazing trip. Um, so I want to share a bit about the Haitian refugee camp. So I didn't know exactly what it was going to be like. I knew they had. The ministry there, Coleo, had a Haitian refugee camp that they had like set up. And when I think in a refugee camp, usually I'm just thinking of like, I don't know, like a fence outdoors, lots of tents, that type of thing. Um, which they they did have that there, but the the Coleo's refugee camp they had actually built, you know, like a dormitories and like a, they had like a concrete wall. Um, and it was still not a place you would really want to live. Like it was just like you know, concrete dormitories, they had like a bathroom area with like curtains for stalls and they had like a little kitchen and a small place for like um, right. children's ministry and stuff. And then they had just, a, in the middle was like a courtyard, which was pretty much just dirt and concrete. And then like a pergola in the middle that offered some shade. Um, but everyone there was just so happy and joyful to be there just because it was so much better than, you know, right outside that that camp What it was what I kind of described, which was basically, there, there was actually no fence. It was just like, little shanties and tents and stuff that people had set up to live in who were trying to you know wait to get across the border um and there that was all over it was just uh, you know Haitians there was Venezuelans Nicaraguans um and they kind of had their own camps and separated from each other for the most part but um when we did the ministry in there mostly what we did we helped them with a few things that they needed um, but mostly what we did a lot of us was work with the kids and they did like basically what was like a VBS type thing for the kids so they were pretty much just doing that I'm guessing every day for the most part and um, we got to join in with that and, and uh, watch them you know like kind of play and dance and sing with the kids and they, and they just had so much joy and watching them when they would worship and sing Waymaker and just play and do the things that they were doing and getting to experience that with them there's like watching kids worship and experience the joy of the Lord is just one of the most, like, I don't know, amazing experiences, just getting to see God love on these kids. And, you know, we would work, so most of them were just having fun and stuff, but there would be some kids that, like, were kind of um, not really participating, and they they were they were kind of have, like, blank, blank stares on their faces a lot. Uh, we found out not all of them, not all of them even spoke Spanish. A lot of them spoke, like, only Creole, some of them spoke Portuguese. And so some of them didn't even understand what, you know, the Mexican missionaries were saying to them in Spanish. And so they they weren't even able to participate as much. But you would, for some of those kids, I think we would try to like, you know, mess with them and play with them and get them to like interact a little bit. And eventually they would like come around and you'd see their faces light up and they would smile. And um, it just was a really amazing experience getting to, experience that with the kids, and then also seeing how um, Jesus was using their ministry to the children to kind of bring the parents in as well, because like the parents would sometimes join in on stuff that was happening, and you could just see like, you know, the way Jesus was working through all of that. And I'm going to share a brief testimony about this guy named Martin who we just met for one day. Um, he literally came he asked one of the missionaries like hey can i come hang out with you guys and watch whatever you are doing today um, he only spoke spanish uh, he was from venezuela and he was he had just been granted asylum like that day or the day before to get into the u.s so he was leaving that night to cross the border for the first time um and uh he shared before he left he shared with us his story his testimony which was basically he lived in venezuela with his two two boys and I don't remember all of it, so I probably messed some of it up. But um, while they were the, his, his one of his boys had some type of tumor in his neck. And I don't remember what the condition was, but they had to have surgery to get it removed. And so they tried to do that in Venezuela, and had to like put a lot of money into it. And something ended up happening to where they couldn't do the surgery there, and they lost all that money. And I believe his wife died. Is that correct, or his wife or his mother died? Do you remember? No. Maybe this Okay. Then his mom his mom had died while they were there and they went to Colombia to try and do the surgery there um, but they didn't have the money for it so then he had to leave to try and basically come into the U.S. to work to get money to do the surgery um, so he hadn't seen his boys since like October is when he actually left Colombia um, so he was telling us this whole story but and you could tell he was very emotional about not being able to see his kids for so long and that was really hard for him um, but he was also like really joyful and happy because he, you know, like you could tell Jesus was working with working on him as well. Like he just, he had just been granted asylum, so he was excited to get to go into the U.S. and begin that process and getting a job. And he, you know, he's going to try to get money and send back to his family and everything. Um, so it's just getting to experience things like that in his story and just makes you like kind of opens your eyes to you know, the little problems you have here a lot of times that feel like big problems at the time, but you know, in comparison, oftentimes aren't. But it was just really cool to get to see a lot of the stuff that we saw while we were there. Um, I'm gonna, Selah's got a couple things she wants to share as well.
4: in Mexico um, we were doing like a worship prayer thing in the morning it was like called family time I think and so like they're worshiping and they were praying over people so um, um, they were praying so they called they had been praying over the people there that were hoping with the youth minister, ministry thing that was gonna happen I don't know um, but then they called up the clear path people to get prayed over. Um, and so we were all getting prayed over and stuff. And then a lady came and she started to pray over my dad. And then um, he started to cry. And uh, I knew like the Holy Spirit was there. And um, so it was like, I started crying too, but I wasn't sad, it was I was happy. And um, then he started. <laughs> Um, And she started. She started to pray for me, and she. I don't remember exactly what she was saying. What she was saying, like the Holy Spirit wants to be my friend, and that even though I'm young, I can still like share God to other people, and I can still do lots of things. And and then yeah, and then I also I made two friends. It was Deborah and Divana, and they spoke pretty good English, so we like we became friends and. We had a really good time and it was hard to leave them but um w- if we do another me- when we do another trip to mexico or a mission trip i hope i get to see them Or i think i'll get to see them but yeah
5: Share a few things. I'm going to be as quick as I can. Um, I'm going to let Luke start a little bit. He doesn't want to talk, but I'm going to make him talk like a few words. He told me yesterday I'm a very private person, and it's kind of true. So, um, so Luki, what did you say that you wanted to see before you went on this trip?
4: A miracle.
5: Did you get to see one? Yes. Okay. So. We went. We um, we went out evangelizing in the neighborhood one night before an event, and the first house we came to was there was a guy named Chewy, who spoke pretty good English, and he had never been to the church before and didn't really go to church, I don't think, but he had done a little bit of work for Kaleo before, so he knew who they were, and so we told him what we were doing, and he was like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'll just come with you." We're like, "Cool, dude, come on." So. He and I and Luke ended up walking up to this house. And as we walked up, um, I I saw this guy, this old older man sitting on the porch. And we kind of, we called out to everybody as we came up. Like, it's not like America where everyone's in their house. You have to go knock on the door. A lot of the people are sitting on their porch or their windows are at least open. So you just walk up and go, buenas, you know. And like everyone just walks out and, hey, what's going on? So um, anyway, this guy's name was Carlos. But when we saw him, so what was... Um, what was wrong with Carlos? Uh,
4: he was blind.
5: Yeah, he was blind. And so, Carlos was, uh, you could see it in his eyes, they were very, very glazed over. And I'm gonna, like, bring down the excitement a little bit, because everyone's like, this blind guy got insanely, like, completely healed. You know, we didn't see a complete healing from this guy, but I'll tell you this. Whenever, whenever he walked out, he was using a cane, and to feel where he was, and he, he actually stumbled off the sidewalk because he couldn't see the sidewalk and he was trying to feel it with the cane and he kind of missed it and he, he kind of fell off the sidewalk and then he came up to us and it was me and Luke and Chewie, and Carlos didn't even know Luke was there. So, I mean, pretty blind and um, he could see like little bits of shadows, essentially. And we were like, hey, there's a kid standing right in front of you. He went like this and he was like, oh yeah, there he there hi, you know? <laughs> and so anyway... We asked if we could pray for him. We did pray for him. And he was like, My, I can see better. And we said, I'm like, I'm trying to make sure he's not giving me a line to just go along with it. So I was like, you know, see if he can actually see better to Chewy. And so he's like, no, I can really see better. Come here, I'll show you. So we had gone in his house. We walked back outside. And he was like, I couldn't see the sidewalk before. And he said, I can see the sidewalk. And he, he held his cane up in the air. And he walked and pointed with his hands where the edges of the sidewalk were. And he said, I can see the sidewalk now, and I couldn't see it before. And then uh, some of our other people were walking up, and Tiffany was wearing a, a pink shirt. And he said, uh, she, he, she was walking up, and he said, rojo, rojo. He, he hadn't really been able to see, see color in a long time. It had been years since he had had an accident and lost almost all the vision in his eyes. So anyway, um, so it was really cool that we got to see this guy get some of his vision back. It was far from complete. And I'm being totally honest with you guys and say that I struggle with that. Like when someone gets a little healing, but not all of it, I'm like, come on, why? But I do want to say that I'm thankful that we did see, I mean, any any change of vision is a complete miracle. Like that can't happen without God just sovereignly doing it. And so I'm grateful for that. And I'm believing that he's going to keep getting his vision back. And that's what I told him. And uh, my friend Chewy, who doesn't go to the church, was making him dinner. and going to take it over to him and remind him that his to pray that his vision keeps getting better. And I think both of them are going to come to the church. So that was awesome. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Can you put up this picture for me, Tim? Uh, I want to talk about a couple other things, and I'll do it quickly. This this is Nicole. And uh, the last night that we were there, there was a big outreach. And... um, Our group did a bunch of skits and stuff, made all the kids laugh, and then they gave kind of a a gospel message, like invited them to invite Jesus into their heart, and if they wanted to get prayed for, to stand and put their hands out with their eyes closed. Well, all the kids, most of the kids did that, and we walked around, we prayed for kids, but this is probably 20 minutes after all the other kids stopped praying. I mean, she probably stood there 30 extra minutes. Like, the other kids are, like, playing basketball right next to her, popping balloons behind her head. Like, I'm like, this is surely going to break her out. Me and Tiffany just stood there for the whole time, most of it just with our hands on her. And, like, a couple times I kind of asked her, like, you know, do you want to be, do be done? Because I didn't want her to just feel awkward and, like, she had to stay there. Like, do you want to be done? And she would, like, open one eye, and then she would go. <laughs> And she would just stay there. And she, just the Holy Spirit was just so heavy on her that it was just, and, and she had never been to church. So like this wasn't learned behavior. She just, she just had a first encounter with the Holy Spirit and did not want to move. And so her mom started walking over to come pick her up and her mom, her mom got about 10 feet away and the kids pastor was walking over toward her mom and her mom just broke down crying. Her mom also didn't go to church. And the Holy Spirit just hit her. So the, the kid's pastor just stood there and prayed for the mom for probably another 15 minutes too. And it's just these two people, a mom and a daughter standing a few feet apart, just like this. And like neither one of them wanted to stop. <laughs> it was just so awesome. It was so loud and chaotic. And it was like in her, it was not. It was just peace. <laughs> and so that was, it was just so cool to see with a girl who had no context for what was happening. Um, the last Super quick story that I'm going to share. You don't really want to share. Do you have something you want to share? What? Oh, I'm sorry. I asked you if you wanted to talk. All right. You want to say something? Okay. She did tell me no. Okay. Um, so the the last story that I will share is that um, I don't know if anyone's mentioned yet. I think they did while we were while we were with all the Haitian kids. Um, they played a song that I think was in their language. It was kind of like African beat, and we all got up and just like danced around the room. This happened very spontaneously. And uh, there was one kid, there were actually two of them that I eventually got both of them up, but there was one kid that I walked over, and I was like, hey, c- come dance with me, you know? And he just looked at me like, I don't think so, you know? And so I walked over and I put my hands out like, hey, can I pick you up? You know, I wasn't just gonna grab it, but, and he just slowly put his arms up. So I picked him up, and I started carrying him around, like, the dance circle a couple times. And after, like, the second time around, I had been watching him. He was just super stoic and just, you know, uncomfortable. And all of a sudden, I just went, like, did a quick spin. And then I just looked at his face, and he just got the biggest smile that I've ever seen. Just like... And uh, and so then I, like, spun him again, and he, he smiled. Anyway, it was, it was one of those moments that just sticks in your mind, you know? Like, his eyes and his smile. Like, I can just still see them. And I was... I was thinking about him as we were driving back to the place we were staying in the van, and as I as his face came into my mind, I heard God say, "I liked it when you picked me up and spun me around." And I thought of the scripture where God says, "I was in prison and you visited me," you know, "I was hungry and you gave me something to eat," and that's what God said to me about this little kid. I liked when I liked when you picked me up and spun me around, and um, I don't know, just
6: really cool moments so this trip was really touching for me Um, gosh I'm gonna cry already (laughs) Um, I have been a missionary for five years in Thailand and um, Mexico is my I guess it's, it's my parents' um, country. And so so being, being first generation born in the States and also being from a border town and seeing um, just Mexicans come to faith and seeing Mexicans like love on Jesus and seeing Mexicans minister to other missionaries um, and just really have a heart's desire to see missionaries like be encouraged that have maybe been through like really difficult times while they were on the field was just something that was really touching to me. But also I never really thought that Mexico was a mission, missional country because I'm from there. (laughs) So it's like, okay, missions for me was going to a different country, but then finally having been in my own country um, and seeing just the power of God and what he was doing was really what moved me and shaped me and made me remember um, of all the times that God had spoken to me in the past and all the promises that he had kept and people keep talking about the refugee center but I think one of the moments that was more just eye-opening to me was one of the kids came up to me and you know I had Samuel so Samuel went on this mission trip with us it was also our first time on the mission field as a married couple because we both did missions while we were single and it was also our first time on the mission field with an infant Um, and it was really a lot easier than I thought it would be. It wasn't that difficult. And so this little girl comes up to me and you, you gotta get this, these Haitian kids have nothing. Like they have been through forest and muck and grime to get to this open dirt field to be finally moved into this refugee center and they still have nothing. No toys, no you know, form of entertainment. This little girl somehow managed to give me this toy Um, And it was like a little finger toy that you kind of just move like a little puppet and she gave it to Sammy and I said, Okay, thank you in Spanish, you know, and I said, okay, thank you. Um, I'll just, I'll just, you know, give it back to you when he's done thinking maybe she just wants to make him smile or something. And um, (laughs) She's like, no, 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 please. It's his, you know, and I said, wow you're going to give me a toy for my son, and we've got all these different kinds of toys at the house, and you've got nothing, and you're giving me something that you don't even have. (laughs) I was just really touched, you know, thinking, God, (laughs) these kids, like, they, they they're basically here and joyous and excited because you're giving them that joy, because you're giving them that hope, because you brought them out of a really difficult situation, but not because anybody or anything else could have touched them, but only because of you and by your grace, they're here. And somehow, this kid, you know, I'm thinking of all of the different um, encounters that these people may have had in their own country with Jesus. A lot of these kids got saved while in the refugee camp, and some of them were saved before they got into the refugee camp. But I was just thinking of all of the seeds that were sown progressively throughout the years, so that these kids could be there and worship the Lord, and just be thankful, and just be, you know, touching other missionaries from other countries, because sometimes you think, I'm going to go on this mission trip, and I'm going to change a bunch of people, um, but really, it's God that's ministering to you, and it's God that's healing you, and doing a work in your life, and giving you an experience that you'll never forget, so that you can replicate that, and so that, ooh, so that you could be encouraged. Um, and another thing, too, that was just really encouraging to me was towards the end, they had um, an outreach. And I really loved how they were reaching out to their own community, the the Kaleo Mission Base, um, where they would host teams and stuff, would reach out to their own community, pass out flyers. And once a month, they have this family event, which is what we were a part of this week. And um, I was just really excited to see these families. They're, there was like a preaching afterwards and they gave them food and they had games for the kids and face painting and inflatables and different things. And, and so then towards the end, they had this moment for like healing and ministry. And so Pastor Josh was just praying over all these people. And there was this lady with a broken foot and you could she was limping her way onto the stage. And then at the end, after being prayed for, she was walking like no no pain, no nothing. And this lady that was sitting next to me that I had met the day before and personally invited her to this event was like, wow, I want to pray like that, you know? And there were other people that were being healed and she said, that lady, she's been sick for years. And so she was a testimony, she was receiving testimony of what God was doing and she's like, that lady over there that's getting prayed for, she's been blind for, you know, since since I remember. And that person over there. And so she was just like being ministered to as she was seeing god's healing and miraculous acts happen but also she was i i really felt strongly of the lord that he was drawing her back to him and i i was telling her like this is god's way of telling you that he's been there for you like every step of the way you just gotta get closer and she's like i used to come to these kids events and these like little bbs bible school things and i used to um just receive from god but but now that I know that there's this available, I'm going to bring my kids because I've been looking for something like this. And my husband isn't a churchgoer, but I'm going to bring them all. And I was I was just really excited. I'm like, wow, there there's people here that are being touched by Holy Spirit and what he's doing. And just, just a really beautiful time. I was really impacted by this trip. So thank you guys.
7: I think the thing that happened with me mostly uh, in watching what God was doing through the Refugee Center and and watching the team that's established there has a missions base. Um, There was definitely a reactivation of a passion that I know myself to have and and even the original calling of being a missionary, going on the field. And when Valerie and I got there, there was this uh, definitely a Holy Spirit kind of moment where we just realized man we feel more home right here in a foreign country in a place where everybody's speaking a different language and a different culture we feel more at home in this environment than we even do in america and I, i gotta be honest i haven't felt that in a while but it was just the beginning of like a reactivation really in my heart and like, I'm just so thankful. How how grateful can we be when God activates a passion in our heart for a ministry? You know, only he can do that. You guys, we can't do ministry aside from Jesus actually activating it in our heart. That's one thing that I pray for everybody is that you guys approach Jesus with an open heart. And you say, God, won't you activate your heart in my heart? Because without it, we can't conjure up a desire to minister we have no power other than him actually compelling us to the good works that he's called us to do and there was a compelling that happened on such a deep uh, level and it just really (laughs) resonated with our hearts and and we're like we got back home and we were overwhelmed by the riches that we have we have a little two-bedroom house that we rent but we're looking in there there's new paint on the walls and there's new flooring and there's just we just bought Chairs for like $60, and we're like, $60?
1: <laughs>
7: you know, that's so much over there. <laughs> you know, for here, like, that's nothing, right? And and we were overwhelmed by the riches that we have here in America. And we're just like, man, we we were actually in the point where like, God, we're so willing to just sell all this to go back. You know, um, and I was overwhelmed by the fact that a lot of times we'll fill ourselves with with uh, distractions here in in place of the community that God's called us to and in place of the intimacy and relationship that he's called us to with him and somehow it, it doesn't satisfy and that's why Americans tend to be so unhappy one of the the main things we recognize and we observe with the kids and the people there is there was just a real genuine fulfilling joy that they had and it, it was like man they they understood the meaning of life right now it's because they had Jesus and they had each other, but they didn't have any material things. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that just, I, I realized, yeah, okay, talk about perspective. We're bringing it back to what actually really matters. So that that's what happened uh, mostly, I would say, in my heart.
6: We hope you enjoyed this episode from ClearPath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning or to subscribe to our newsletter, check us out at www.ClearPathDallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at ClearPathDallas. Thanks for listening.